Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week, we are joined by Forest Glen Location Pastor, Dan Osborne. Yeah, and we get to talk with him about Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, solid versus dotted line issues, and whether you should celebrate Halloween or Reformation Day. Great, let's get started. I'm Hillary Murphy. And I'm Trevor Lovell. And this is the Pastor's Cut with Dan Osborne. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. Thanks for joining us this season. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course. So, Dan, my question for you is, what is your favorite part of your job? I feel like oftentimes a lot of people just see the pastor preaching, but I know you do much more than that. So beyond preaching, what is the fav- your favorite part? Sure. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I think it's, a, it's like a privilege you get to have being a pastor is you are invited into uh, some of the most sacred moments in a person's life. And so something like a something like a wedding, right? Like I get a front row seat when I marry a couple. I, I I love doing that because like I'm right there. I get to watch them and walk through that whole process with the couple. So they're getting married. Even something as like this maybe sounds a bit morbid, but even like a funeral, you are like you you're being invited into a very intimate moment and you just like there's a weightiness to it there. Um, and it, it feels very much like a privilege to be able to serve people and care for people, uh, in highs and deep pain. So I think, I think like broadly, that's probably my favorite part being a pastor. Thank you. Trevor, what about you? You're also a pastor. (laughs) So besides the pastor's cut, what's your favorite part of your job? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, same thing as Dan. I think that that really is a privilege of the role, like being invited into those spaces. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. That's a piece of it. I do enjoy the preaching. Um, and then I think beyond that, it's it's kind of a role where you have to, there's like a responsibility to continue learning um, in a lot of different areas. Like there's, mm-hmm. you kind of always have this feeling of there's like seven or eight different fronts where I need to learn a lot of different things about them. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's overwhelming, but, um, but a lot of the time it's kind of, I like that aspect of the role that there's part of it is you have to continually be learning and uh, figuring different things out. And it just comes with the territory. And I like that challenge. And, and I like the kind of the ongoing learning piece of it. Um, yeah. What about you? Yeah, well, my role at the church, I'm the operations manager, so I oversee a lot of the Near North building. And I think right now, especially one of my favorite parts is just seeing the unique way we're able to use our space during this time of the pandemic. So we've actually started a partnership with the Red Cross and have hosted monthly blood drives. And that's just my favorite day. I've gotten to know the Red Cross staff a little bit as they're coming in our space every month. And they're just always so thankful and positive, telling us how many lives we saved by opening up our building for eight hours on one day. So that's been a really fun yeah. part and, and a fun way to see, awesome. see people during a time that you're not seeing a lot of people. Yeah. Next that blood is drive the, is December 15th. If anyone is interested in donating or volunteering. Absolutely. Yeah, December yeah, yeah. 15th. Nice. December I'm signed 15th. up for this one. Um, Great. The last time I gave, I almost passed out. You sure <laughs> so, did. I was there. <laughs> yep. So that, uh, but I'm sure my body has adapted and I'll be ready for it this time. <laughs> it was also the summer. So it was a little warmer. Maybe a December blood drive will be yeah, a little bit easier right. on the yep. body. Yep. Yep. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, but Dan, so you preached um, this past weekend at Forest Glen. 
And uh, what, could you give us a quick recap of your sermon? Yeah, sure. So uh, I, I've been looking forward to preaching Romans 14 for a long time. Uh, ever since we set uh, set the uh, the series for Romans, like a almost a year and a half, maybe two years ago now, <laughs> when we decided to <laughs> preach through Romans. Because uh, it's such a great passage. And, you know, I, I could not have imagined then that it would be as timely of a passage for where we're at right now, basically talking about how uh, Christians are supposed to relate to one another on uh, on conflicting convictions that they have. And so as I approached the, the passage, there was kind of this overarching illustration that I was using. So imagine you're, you know, learning to drive again for the first time on the hot two lane highway. You look out the window, driver's side window, and you see uh, uh, two solid lines uh, on the road. And what that means is it's a, it's not a passing lane, right? Like you, you cannot get over, uh, you can't get in the other lane because there's either impending danger that you can, or more importantly, can't see yet, right? Like you, you cannot cross over there. And then there's dotted lines, right? Where you, you actually can, it's legitimate for you to be in the other lane for a while. You probably wouldn't want to stay there for very long, uh, but you can be in that lane. It's legitimate for you to pass. Uh, and then, uh, get back over to the the other side, uh, and so I use that as a as like the overarching image in the message, uh, and having Paul talk about how Christians relate with one another on those dotted line issues. What what are the dotted line uh, convictions that we can hold, uh, where you know we we need to basically uh, agree to disagree on dotted line issues. So that was the main thrust of the passage uh, and uh, of the message. And I just kind of worked through a bunch of different questions about what it means. You know, Paul talks about the weaker brother. He talks about the stronger brother. How do you know who is, who's the weaker, who's the stronger? Um, and, you know, how, how are you supposed to respond to someone who has a different opinion than you do? So that was kind of the thrust of the message. So what would you say for some of those issues that are dotted lines that change either over time, decade to get decade, things look a little bit different or even culturally are different? For example, I know they used to say old days going to a movie theater was something that a lot of Christians wouldn't agree with. But nowadays, not so much. So how would you address when is it okay that that shift happens? Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's a good question. I think that's, that's really an example of a, uh, just a cultural norm within, within Christianity at a particular point. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Um, but at the end of the day, what you, what you need to do, uh, is Paul says it in verse five, you need to be fully convinced in your own mind of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and you have to be able to go back to the scriptures and work through, you know, uh, like prove your point, basically prove why you have landed on the conviction that you have on that particular issue. Um, yeah. And I think when you think historically about how Christians have responded to different issues, it, it, it's harder to evaluate right now looking back because we're not in the, you know, we're not in the same cultural pressure cooker that they are. And so the dynamics are slightly different. We may even view uh, concepts from a slightly different perspective because of where we're at right now. Um, yeah. Is that, is that getting at your question at all? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. 
I almost feel like there's, I read this book, Faith for Exiles. It was Barna's kind of most recent uh, book in that series of like, um, Unchristian, You Lost Me, and then Faith for Exiles. And he, he talks in that book about sort of this shift where um, for a long time, Christianity in the States, uh, and maybe this was particular to majority culture, Christianity, but just this understanding of like old Jerusalem to um, exile, to the, the context in which our faith was practiced or lived out, and one in which you know, old Jerusalem is sort of where faith is the norm culturally, um, and then yeah. Yeah, he calls it digital Babylon. Exile would be where uh, faith isn't the the cultural norm, and so we're kind of outsiders or we're exiles. And I feel like to some extent when we look at some of these old things that were Christians took a really harsh stance on, like like dancing yeah. and um, you know the movie theater, it feels strange to us. And I wonder if to some extent it was because of feeling that like cultural slip yeah. and wanting to that to not happen. It, and maybe yeah. that was partly why. Um, sure. And it wouldn't be all Christians either. Like there's, there's a subset of like Protestantism that, uh, that has fueled or like a fundamentalism that, uh, is kind of almost infamous for, uh, perpetuating these very strict regulations, uh, or like what we would see as really strict regulations right now. So yeah, there, it, there's for, in every generation, there's always going to be, uh, questions that Christians disagree on. Uh, genuine followers of Jesus have different opinions uh, on these matters. Alcohol is another good one. Should is it legitimate for believers to to drink? So, yeah. So, what got cut this week? Yeah, you know, I, there's a couple things that got cut, or uh, because I'm I'm doing both. Uh, both messages, the first half of 14, second half of 14, uh, and then the first half of 15, stuff just got kicked to the next week or, you know, the following uh, when we get to Romans 15 after the Advent series. Uh, but I think some of, one of the hardest questions to answer when you talk about dotted line issues, uh, solid line issues, is what happens if you get to a place where one person thinks the, the question is a dotted line issue. The other person thinks it's a solid line issue. How do you navigate that tension? Cause that like on the surface, it feels like a conversation killer. Like where, where do you even go from there? Um, cause if, cause the main thing I was saying over and over again is Christians must agree. Like we, we are biblically mandated to agree to disagree on dotted line issues. But what if we don't think it's, what if we both don't think it's a dotted line issue? So how do you tease that out a little bit? And I know Trevor talked a little bit about uh, that that question in his message. In fact, uh, we, we were calling each other back and forth a lot this week, trying to work through some of the questions that we had. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think what what I how I would have answered that question is again going to verse five, fourteen, verse five. I think Paul makes very clear this idea that we we need to be fully convinced in our own mind. Let me find the passage real quick. Um, yeah, end of verse five, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Uh, and then towards the end, uh, verse 12, he says, each of us will give an account of himself to God. And, and the idea there is whatever position we land on, there, there will be a day where we stand before God and give an account for the conviction that we've held. 
why we've defended it, why, like why we have followed that and, and thought it was the most faithful option. Um, like th- there is, there is a, uh, a judgment piece tied to this uh, where, you know, an interesting, you know, Paul, there's a, there's a lot of word plays with this word for judgment in the passage. Uh, and, you know, we, we want to judge one another, but Paul's ultimate aim is like, no, you, you have a greater judge in Christ. Um, and so when you take this idea that like one day I'm going to have to give an account for what I hold, I think it's, and the mandate to be fully convinced in my own mind. I think what that means for us is that for every conviction, whether we think it's dotted line or solid line, we have to go back to the scriptures. Like we can't just, uh, hold on to things that either we read in, read in a textbook one time or, uh, things that, you know, uh, we can't hold on to the theological coattails of people who've just gone before us without actually thinking through these questions ourselves. We have to wrestle with them uh, and get to the place where in, in what we think, if we're, if it's going to be a, especially if it's going to be a solid line issue, we better be absolutely convinced of it. Otherwise, I think the option is for us to be, to practice humility, uh, recognizing that I, like there's, there's so much that I don't know in the scriptures. Like I, I don't fully understand all of the applications and implications of the gospel in my life. Uh, and when you actually believe that, I think it produces or should produce this level of humility and open-handedness and actually a desire to have other Christians around you speak into your life and push back on you a little bit, right? Like it's, you know, maybe some of our folks need to be reminded, like, it's okay for you to be wrong on something. It, it's okay for you to to hold a a, a conviction that is less right or muddy or unclear. And it's okay for another follower of Jesus to, to lovingly come alongside and help you grow and understand uh, a more with, with more clarity how the gospel informs that opinion. Yeah. I, well, that's good. Just the idea of like it. Um, sometimes there's an expectation of like, a, I, I need to have these things right and have them figured out. And, um, that's part of the benefit of community is being able to, you know, yeah. learn from other people, those around us. Um, and yeah. those who and that's have the, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's the conversation we want to have on dotted line issues, right? This is what plays out on Facebook. We so quickly want to get to who is right, who's wrong and why they're, they're absolutely wrong and, you know, idiotic for holding that position. Right. Um, and, and that's not the conversation that Paul wants to have. Like he, he, he brings up the two issues of, uh, uh, eating, eating meat or, um, eating only vegetables, which, which I think is part of the, uh, the dietary laws, uh, that he's wrestling through with, you know, Jewish believers who were still trying to hold on to some of the mosaic law. Uh, and Paul thinks there's a right answer. He talks about it later on in, in the second half of chapter 14 and 15, like he thinks there is a right answer, but his goal with this passage is not to correct them. It's to challenge the stronger brother and the weaker brother to push towards unity because that's more important than than being right on this issue right now. Yeah. Yeah. It is fascinating how like the, the being right isn't actually the goal, which is kind of not how the rest of life works typically, not how we're taught to approach things, but that just the manner of our approach is what's more significant. 
than actually winning the argument. Yeah. 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 And so what are some of the other questions that you had there? Uh, you know, can you, can you stay in the same church um, on overdotted line issues? Is it po- like, should you, should you leave? Should you find a new church or should you kind of stick it out and push towards unity? Uh, and, and I think that is a, uh, such an important, to, important question to wrestle through. Um, because the answer is going to be, it is like, actually it's going to be, it depends, depends on what the issue is, right? Like you, you can, you can have unity with another follower of Jesus in that you recognize the genuineness of their faith uh, and yet still, and still, you know, have a strong enough differing conviction that it just might not be wise or fruitful for, for you to be in the same church. Like here's, here's a theological example, baptism, like, because, because of my personal convictions on you know, believers baptism, that it's a, a sign that someone does after they uh, profess faith in Christ. That's, that's what, part of why I'm at a church like Park, because we teach and believe believers baptism. I get the argument for infant baptism. Like I could, and I could see how someone could get there. I, I've welcomed people into membership who, who hold that position. Cause I think it's a legitimate understanding of the scriptures, but I, I don't think I would ever find myself in a place in a church that actually teaches that and fully practices that. I just, I have a different opinion and, and that's okay. You know, how we view, uh, you know, conversations around uh, complementarianism or egalitarianism, like that, that is for a lot of folks, that'll be an issue where you, you cannot be in another, you can't be in a church that teaches or something counter to what you believe the scriptures to teach. Uh, and, and at the same time, that doesn't mean you're calling into question the legitimacy of their faith. So there's, there's those, uh, there's those level of, of issues. Then there's the smaller things like, um, can, can you go and celebrate Halloween as a Christian or should you, you know, only recognize Reformation Day? You know, it, it, can you be in the same church with people who disagree on that kind of stuff? That's a real question, by the way. Or, you know, uh, can you, can you worship in the same church as someone who only wants to do public school or private school or homeschool? I think, I think absolutely. Uh, they are, those are important questions, but they, they don't have, they don't have to rise to the level of, um, like, man, I just, I, I think you're a Christian, but like, we're just gonna, we're gonna be at odds way too often. You kind of got to measure your own heart on this stuff. Um, you know, cause Paul says, and I think this is an important idea. Paul, Paul doesn't say don't have convictions or opinions in verse one. He says, don't fight over them. Um, and so, you know, it, it's fine to have them. Uh, it's fine to wrestle through them together. Uh, but the, the danger is when it's, when, when you're only going to keep fighting over them. I don't know. I mean, Trevor, you, you taught on the same passage. How would you answer that question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, I, I, you, you included the theological disagreements, which I didn't, um, you know, there's only, there's only so much you can do and talk about. So I didn't go that route. Um, but I kind of nuanced between two different types of issues that would fit into this category of the weaker, stronger um, conversation. And the one was uh, kind of an area of restricted freedoms where, um, you know, I think like alcohol would be one that would fit into that camp. That's the example that I used where, you know, there's like 
abstinence, uh, enjoying a drink or two in wisdom and then overindulgence, drunkenness and, um, and basically how the spirit of God brings convictions in our lives where in certain areas, there's just been a restricted freedom where for us personally, um, we shouldn't overstep that boundary. So for some people, even though, um, they might affirm that enjoying a drink or two in wisdom is all good for them personally, they can't, uh, that's a restriction that's been put in place for their own good. Um, the, the trouble I think is sometimes that we take those personal convictions and we make them universal and try and apply them yep. and hold everyone to them kind of yep. sliding into the, the whole Lord and judge role in, in the lives of other people. So that was one sort of the restricted freedom category. And then the other one was just more differing opinions in general, um, mm-hmm. which I'm thinking, I wonder if the, I think the theological ones might've fit into that camp. It's just, um, it's interesting that question around of, you know, um, should we stay in the same church or should we go somewhere else? But, but basically the difference there is there's a slightly different shift in how the weaker in faith works out. And it's not so much, uh, of like a matter of restricted freedom. It's just more so how you approach it in general. Do you approach it as if your conviction is the only possible one that's legitimate as if it's the Christian position? Uh, and if someone disagrees that they're they're just wrong. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the, like, how do you do, like, what if somebody thinks it's a dotted line? What if someone else thinks it's a solid line? How do you navigate that conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there's, there's not, uh, I felt like for every statement I was making, there's like five caveats that you need to address. Because the reality is, I mean, take, take a non-moral issue. Trev, you and I talked about this several times. Take a non-moral issue, like, um, uh, or, or on paper, a non a non-moral issue, like choosing a schooling option for your kids, right? Homeschool, public school, private school. Uh, and like, that's, that's a very real question that parents wrestle with. Uh, and they have different, different biblical values that are going to uh, push them towards one option or another. You can have two people conceivably who make the same decision like they both say, look, we are going to send our children to, we're, we're going to homeschool our kids. And I got nothing against homeschool. My wife was homeschooled. She's 10 times smarter than me. Um, you, you can have two families that make the same exact decision, but they do it for different, like there's different motivations uh, behind them. Uh, and the same decision actually becomes that they are the weaker brother in one instance or the stronger brother in the other instance, because they've done this for different reasons. Maybe it's trying to retreat from culture uh, and not have their kids, you know, be, uh, you know, I, I don't want them around unbelievers. That's people do homeschool for that reason. Or, uh, you know, a like, hey, we want to take on the mantle of discipleship in the early years of our kids. Let's, we want to invest the time and do this. That's that's a totally different reason. They've done the same thing, uh, and yet they could both find themselves on other sides of this stronger brother, weaker brother conversation. So just, it's complex, and I think that's why we need to have grace in the conversation. Uh, why we need to, uh, you know, there's this underlying idea that. You know how I how I become convicted of sin. Like how, how does it often happen for me, where I am? I feel like, man, I need to I need to repent over something, or like there's an issue in my life that pops up. A lot of times it's the Holy Spirit bringing it up to me, right? I need to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to convict other people of 
we have the weaker issues as well. Like I don't always need to be the one to point it out to them. Uh, and if in fact I am the one who always points out weaker issues in other people, that may be an indication of like where my own heart's at more than, you know, what's going on with them and like a pride and arrogance going on in me. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Even you saying that the spirit of like, that's how where the conviction comes from. I do think there's a connection back to Romans 12, one and two, uh, when he talks about, you know, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, so that by testing, oh, yeah. you may approve what is the will of God and that yeah. these areas of conviction are, are how it's part of how the spirit of God, you know, leads us into what, yeah. what is the will of God for us in this or that issue, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in terms of conviction. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Mm-hmm. So Dan, a few times you mentioned verse five and talking about yeah. how you need to be fully convinced in your own mind. And also just remembering that you have to, um, pay account to God after for your decisions. Yeah. Would you have a recommendation for someone who is wrestling between a dotted line issue of how do you go through that process of being fully convinced and being rooted in the scripture with that? Like where, where do you start? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that are helpful. One, I, I would, um, I would start with some, I, I would go to the scriptures first. I know that's kind of a pat answer, but uh, and maybe that's like uh, step one in conjunction with also some self reflection. Like, why do I why do I actually hold this opinion? Uh, where where did it come from? Right, because not like I, there's things that um, I'm trying to think of a specific example that it's not too revealing. Uh, like in, into my family situation. It's a good family situation. There's nothing, nothing bad going on. Uh, but I mean, like my my wife and I have some different convictions on things, um, and you know, a lot of those grew up because she 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 grew up in a very conservative Christian family. Not a not a bad thing at all. But some some of the things that she she still held on to early on were were actually rooted in that and not not something that she had wrestled with for herself. Uh, or, you know, had, had, you know, gone, they got from the scriptures and they, they weren't bad things. Uh, so there's, you know, family of origin stuff that we just need to wrestle and, and look through. Or for example, like if you are, uh, if you've struggled with addiction in your past, you, you may have a very different, uh, uh, conviction around alcohol, which is perfectly legitimate. You're not necessarily going to see it in the scriptures, there, so you got to look at your own your personal history. Look at the scriptures, uh, and then I, I would talk to other people about it. I mean, I think I think this is really you know part of why Paul all over the place is going to regularly uh, address the importance of being in community. Uh, we, like we need one another to to uh, in the maturing process of growing as followers of Christ. This is Ephesians four. Like we are sharpening one another. God gifts the church with people, gifts the church with the body uh, to help shape and sharpen one another as we mature in Christ. And so we need other people to push back on us or to, uh, to, to give wise counsel to us. Uh, again, Paul says, he doesn't say don't have convictions. He says, don't fight over them. Um, don't pass judgment. Don't despise over them. Uh, but talk about them, wrestle through them, speak truth and love to one another. Uh, and so as we're like 
you know, in part of being convinced, I think it's having conversations and talking about it. And then the last piece, which is just, you know, underlying so much of this is a, the Christian ethic of humility is so important, like a gospel centered humility, uh, Philippians two, um, weaves its way into so much of the Christian life. And particularly in this issue, like there's, there's gotta be a willingness that my, my conviction could be, could be off base. Like it, it, it may be an area where I just, I need to grow and that's okay. But having the humility to, uh, to actually say that I think is, is another thing. Um, you know, we, we live in a, in an age right now where, it's so easy to distance ourselves from people who we don't agree with. Like we can, we can block their posts on Facebook. We can stop following them on Twitter. We can so easily guard ourselves and uh, insulate ourselves from people who, who don't agree with us. And I don't think that's the best solution for us as Christians. Like we need to be open to, to getting pushback, especially when it's coming from other believers. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, Dan, this has been great. Thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciated what you brought to it. Yes. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us this week for the Pastor's Cut. Next week, we have Noah Chong joining us as we finish up Romans chapter 14. And then we're going to take a break from Romans until January, but we'll continue with the Pastor's Cut as we go through Advent. <laughs>